Good morning, everyone. Well, this morning, as part of our new sermon series, Conversations with Jesus, we have again another record of an event, a conversation that took place during Jesus' early ministry that is also recounted for us in the other Synoptic Gospels. It is an event that is very strange to our ears in this day and age, and we are not sure exactly sometimes how to comprehend it. But the reading that we are about to hear this morning is not something that is a cleverly devised myth, but it comes to us as the veritable word of the Almighty God. So let's uh, watch the reading. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, for he had often been chained hand and foot. But he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. He gave them permission and the impure spirit came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed, and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. And the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Well, now, before this event uh, took place, there is the account of Jesus and his uh, disciples 
at sailing across the Sea of Galilee, where they encountered a very strong wind and waves that overwhelmed the boat they were travelling in. Jesus was fast asleep, but the disciples were terrified because they were in great danger. So they woke Jesus up saying, Don't you care, Jesus? We are going to drown. Well, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and the raging waters. The storm then subsided and all was calm. And in fear and amazement, the disciples asked one another, Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what kind of conversation Jesus and his disciples had after that traumatic experience in the sea. But I can imagine, as the boat came nearer and nearer to the shore, they were feeling a great sense of relief because for them, that journey has been one of the most traumatic and terrifying days of their lives. But now, when they got to the shore, Jesus and his disciples encounter a different kind of storm, a spiritual one. They are greeted by this wild man that Mark and Luke describe to us as a man with an evil spirit, a man with demons living in him, who lived in the tombs, and nothing and no one was strong enough to subdue this man. Night and day he lived there, crying out and cutting himself with stone. This was a desperate, desperate man. I think let's pause uh, here for uh, a moment. This is not the only incident of demon possession that we encounter in the New Testament. This is not the only uh, case that Jesus cast out demons from other people who were profoundly afflicted. As I said earlier, we are not uh, generally accustomed in our day to seeing people who are demon-possessed at least in this part of the world, though there are occasional accounts of that. Nevertheless, in the New Testament, we see a heavy concentration of this phenomenon. And one explanation that has been given historically uh, is that during the early ministry of Jesus, all hell broke loose. That is to say, Satan whose power was under attack with the presence of Jesus, marshaled all his minions, all hosts of demons under his control, to manifest his satanic power in the region where Jesus was carrying out his earthly ministry. Another theory that uh, people say is when the New Testament writers talk about people being demon-possessed, that is because uh, they wrote this uh, before uh, pre-scientific, they say it's a pre-scientific conclusion of some kind of mental illness and it has nothing to do with some kind of uh, external inhabitation. However, when we look at the page of the New Testament carefully, the writers of the New Testament 
make it very clear. They make very clear distinction between the category of a physical illness and the category of demon possession. So they did not blend the two into one confused math. Rather, the view of the biblical account is clear. That the demonic power is real and it is extremely active then as it is extremely active today. Unfortunately, many people, including many Christians, only want to believe in the existence of God who is invisible and supernatural being, who has the ability to influence people for good, but they don't want to believe in the existence of Satan, who is also invisible and supernatural being, who has the ability to influence people for evil. This is what C.S. Lewis said. There are two equal and opposite errors into which our race can fall about the demons. One is to disbelieve in their existence. The other one is to believe and have an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They, that's the demons themselves, are equally pleased by both errors. Someone else said this, there is no true theology without demonology. You cannot have true theology without acknowledging the existence of the devil. This is what the Apostle Peter urged believers. He said, be alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And Paul also urges us to put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil because our struggle is not against flesh and blood. In any case, here we have the account of a man who was demon-possessed, not only by one demon, but by a legion of them, by a multitude of them. And when he saw Jesus, he ran and fell on his knees in front of Jesus and shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? Obviously, the voice that is coming out of this man is not his own voice, but this is the demonic voice. Now, there is uh, an irony here. As I said earlier, the last time a question was raised in this gospel was when Jesus calmed the storm and the, disciple, the disciples asked the question, Who is this man? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Well, the answer to their question is provided by the demons because they knew exactly who that man was. They recognized what the disciples did not recognize. They were in the presence of God incarnate. They use the title Son of the Most High God. 
Son of the Most High God, I wonder how you feel when you hear those words. The Most High God, the Most Perfect Being. This is the revelation that God gives of himself and the implications that it has. And now these demons understand that and they recognize Jesus and they are terrified. Remember, these are powers that made the man break his chains. So much so there was no one who was strong enough to subdue this man. But now they are terrified in the presence of Jesus and they beg him not to send them out. Luke actually tells us they begged Jesus not to send them into the abyss. Abyss is a bottomless pit, if you like, a symbol of hell itself. These uh, demons knew what their future held. They knew their destiny. They know that God has appointed a day in time when uh, the demons will be thrown forever into the abyss. But that time had not yet come. And so they begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And we read that he gave them permission and the impure spirits came out of the man and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number. And they rushed down the steep bank into the lake and they were drowned. Now, some people might feel uh, unease about uh, the misfortune of the pigs. But I hope we don't miss the astonishing miracle that took place in this man's life. The townspeople can see that this man who had been naked, he is now calm and closed. They can see that the man who had been roaming around cutting himself with stone, he is now sitting comfortably at Jesus' feet. The man who had been crying out in a loud voice, he is now of a sound mind. You see, if it took the lives of many pigs to rescue the life of one man from being uh, attacked, possessed by Satan, Jesus would do it. This shows us the value that Jesus places on human life. And we, of course, know later, not only that, but Jesus gave himself, his life, as a ransom for many. So you would expect the townspeople to ask Jesus to come into their city and to stay with them and to do more of what they have seen and have heard. But they asked him to leave their town. And Jesus does that. And as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged him to go with him. But Jesus did not let him. But he said to him, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you 
and how he has been merciful to you. So the man went away and began to tell how much Jesus has done for him. And all the people were amazed. Effectively, that man became the first missionary to the Gentiles. It was not Paul, but that man became a missionary to others. Well, in conclusion, I wonder what kind of conversation you will have today after hearing this account. I wonder where you see yourself in that story. Maybe your life has been marred and spoiled by the devil in some way, and you're waiting for your miracle, for Jesus' intervention. Well, Jesus promised, and he said in John 10, that the thief, that's the devil, comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But he says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Jesus sees you not for what you are, but for what you can be by his power and grace. So just like this man, you are not too dirty for God to cleanse. You are not too broken for God to fix. You are not too far gone for God to reach. You are not too guilty for God to forgive and you are not too worthless for God to love. Or maybe you have been rescued by God. God has been merciful to you. Well, just like the story of that man, God gives you the duty of proclaiming the good news to others and tell what God has done for you to others. So, what conversation will you have with Jesus today?